Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Business of Circularity. I'm your host, Stuart Hillhouse. This week's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Annie Wells, who's the founder of Simply Suzette. Simply Suzette is a vintage and sustainably sourced denim retailer based out of Toronto, uh, but they do sell online. So she talked a lot about defining your values as the business owner, because you don't need to take the path of sustainability and circularity, but she's chosen to because she believes in it. The same reason why I believe in it and likely you believe in it because you're listening to this podcast right now. But it's not going to be the easiest path. They're, your competitors are going to be still selling the types of genes, in her case, that are we know to be unsustainable, and we know them to be fast fashion, and we know them to be highly destructive and resource-intensive. And yet she chooses to pursue her company and building a brand that is really respected. So she did. she speaks a lot about that struggle of... How do you think about growth and sustainability in the same mindset? And what does that mean for her company moving forward? It was a really candid conversation and it was a pleasure to hear from her. And I think a lot of you who are on your uh, entrepreneurial journey to either starting a brand or are wanting to turn your brand or business into a circular one, you're going to get a lot of value from this episode. So thanks very much, Annie, for joining me. And without further ado, here's Annie Wells. All right, Annie, thanks so much for joining me today. No problem. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, no problem. So full disclosure, Annie and I did go to high school together, but we weren't really friends. We didn't cross paths too many times. No, we didn't. <laughs> and so we've, uh, we've grown up and matured a little bit. And so this is an interesting conversation to be having a few years later that I don't think either of us would have ever predicted this conversation happening no. at any point, right? Never in a million years, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so after high school, you you went to university? Yes. So I did my undergrad at Laurier in communications. I actually started in global studies, but at the time I thought like a general marketing, de- marketing degree would be better. And then after that, I went to a fashion management program at Humber in the city. So that was... Yeah. Me. So... Between university and going to do fashion management, were you thinking about fashion while still doing your undergrad or what, how much was fashion part of your world before even going to school for it? I honestly have always loved fashion and I, I, I almost went to Ryerson for the fashion communication program for the undergrad, but I just thought it was too narrow path at that time and I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I just, I went the general route and I was always thinking of fashion. I thought, Maybe I'd just be like, I don't know, like a, a P, like a PR head at some magazine or a fashion magazine or something, but I just really love fashion and I've always wanted to be a buyer. So after university, I still kind of had that urge, which is why I took the fashion management program. So, yeah. What about fashion did do you really, really <laughs> like? <laughs> Honestly, it's like art to me. So it's like, I don't know, say your favorite think of your favorite artists whether it be like music sculptures painting fashion was like art to me and I loved 
I just loved seeing the runway and how different pieces were put together and like seeing the trends and stuff. I'm kind of like trying to stay away from more trendy stuff now, but I loved Mm -hmm. like, I used to be a shopaholic, like for sure. And I just loved being on top of the latest trends and whatnot. That's what really got me into fashion. Just like fast pace and like how often like trends change too. So everything was always new. Like that's what, yeah, it was always new and fun. Yeah. Exciting for sure. Yeah. (laughs) And so then the, before going to the fashion uh, management program, you took a trip to Asia. Is that correct? Yeah, I was backpacking for like my graduation present to myself. Yeah. <laughs> so when I went backpacking though, that that was when I really just like, I used to travel a lot. For, I used to be a gymnast. So I used to travel a lot competing for that. And I did grow an appreciation for traveling in like different cultures and stuff. But on this specific backpacking, pack, backpacking was when I really just like, fell in love with the earth like I don't know just like and there was a lot of like on the beaches in Thailand and stuff a lot of trash and like in the streets and stuff they just really didn't have any like a great infrastructure for like waste management or recycling or whatever and that was something I actually really noticed for the first time because like Mm -hmm. Toronto we do have like infrastructure in place it might not be the best but like we have it So just seeing that and realizing that I have been so sheltered and like there are real bigger problems in this world that things that I do affect other people like across the world. So just seeing how like something that I have done or like bought or something, for example, like something like some fast fashion piece, like how it can affect something on the other side of the world. Yeah. That kind of blew my mind. And I, like that's when I really started getting into ethical and sustainable brands, but there weren't, there wasn't anything out there at the time, really. This was like 2016, 2015. So there were some brands, but honestly, like they weren't cool. They weren't trendy. Like they, they were kind of what you thought sustainable fashion was like plain, boring and, you know, neutral. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I just thought, that's when I started researching ethical ethical fashion. Then sustainability came into the factor when I was at my fashion management program. That's when I started learning about the environmental effects also of like actual denim production in specific. Because denim is the worst garment to produce besides leather. It's the second worst. That's that's what really got me. And I've always loved jeans. So I just when that when I heard that stat of it takes 2000 gallons of water to produce one pair of jeans. I was like, what some, somebody must be doing something different. So that's when like my research. like Yeah. And so when you came into the the management program, did you have that mindset of, I need to be the person to make this difference. I need to make the, not make the yet. change. Not yet. I, not yet. No, I knew. Cause I didn't, I didn't really know I wanted to start like my own thing. It's always been my dream to have my own boutique, but I didn't think that was going to happen for like, I don't know, like 30 years. So so I just was more coming into it thinking I, well, I went into the program thinking I wanted to be a buyer. So I was in that mindset and I was hoping to work for companies that I knew and that were local and were trying to do like good, like better things. And were carrying like good quality brands at least rather than fast fashion. So I started working for, I did, I was working full time for a company and was working my way up to be a buyer, but 
that's just they started bringing in like cheaper and cheaper stuff and like it, it it was exactly the opposite of what I wanted to do so I quit that and started my own thing <laughs> and so and so that's where you started simply Suzette that's where I started simply Suzette because from my my program I did I, I wanted to be a buyer I did and I got the job through the program I was in but yeah as I was working there I just realized like something needs to change that that was my aha moment when mm. I started like learning about how their what their buying process was and how they were trying to cut costs here and there. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I can't do this. Like, <laughs> yeah, not want to be a part of this. And I think I need to do something about it because not many people were at that time. So I, I don't know exactly what, what steps would a buyer would do. Can you explain a little bit about what that job role would be? A buyer is basically like, say you have like a department store where there's a bunch of different brands in in the store. A buyer is basically going out and looking for the brands that they think would do well in that store, the different styles that would do well in that store. So you're basically buying the merchandise for a store. They're they're their product offering. That's what you're doing. Oh, okay. And then you would go find so you would it would you go find a pair of jeans, let's say, and then if you're the department store, say we'll put our name on those jeans. Those are, are they kind of like weight labeled jeans or is that am I like totally off? Label, but okay. I mean, it's a thing. That's a thing for sure. Okay. <laughs> but it'd be more like, more like the, like say like, I don't know, the Bay going into like going to um, Levi's and being like, oh, okay. Levi's in our store. Gotcha. So the, the brands still need to make the products yes. uh, and then sell it to find a retailer to sell it for them. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Gotcha. So when you left your role as a buyer, what were, what was your idea for Simply Suzette? What was the business plan in your head at that point? Or was it more official than that? It was, I actually did make a full business plan. I, it started in general, like not just denim, because I was thinking ethical and sustainable, like clothing in general is more important. But for me, I just was really passionate about denim and I, I couldn't believe that it really was the second worst garment to produce. So that's why I chose to focus on denim. And I did, I honestly am a buyer for like myself now, because I have to go through a whole, like basically I'm working with um, either direct to wholesale, direct to consumer brands, and I'm working with them directly to sell their product, but I'm actually mostly working with wholesalers. So it's a model where it's the brand to wholesaler to retailer. So it's, that's the model. So it's not brand to direct brand to consumer. It's brand to wholesaler to consumer basically. Right. And so now you act as the retail. So now I act as the retailer and I am the buyer for myself. So you still, you're still your buyer, but you get to choose (laughs) now who you work with. That's awesome. Exactly. It's quite quite lovely. (laughs) What did you need to know um, in order to jump into it fully? Were there any kind of ways you tested it in the market before committing yeah. to it fully? So I did a bunch of market research. I, I did, a, I probably was doing research, market research for about a year before I actually launched it. I, the first thing I did was put out a bunch of surveys like in, on like Reddit, all these denim forums, like Facebook groups, like sustainable living groups and I just honestly started getting feedback from people on what they liked in a jean, how much they would will, they were willing to spend on a jean in general, how much they were willing to spend on a jean if it was ethically produced, one step further if it was sustainably produced. So I just was trying to ask, get a lot of feedback from people I knew, also like 
the direct demographic that I was targeting. So I just gathered a bunch of research and then I did a launch, a soft launch pop-up and I, it, I did well, the pop-up. So awesome. It, so that was a good indicator. Seemed like a go for me. And honestly, everything I like from everyone I've heard from, they're just like, you're going to learn as you go. Once you start something, you'll see like everything wasn't the vision you had it to be. And like, like you're going to have to adapt and like, I've, yeah, like I've had to adapt already. So, <laughs> yeah. Where did those first um, brands that you sold in the pop-up come from? Were they local or did you have to go looking for them? I had to, so that was part of like the research that I had been doing for a couple of years. I had already made a like a ideal list that I'd like to carry. Obviously not all the brands I wanted even like responded to me <laughs> when I wanted to carry the product. But I did the first brand that actually said yes was a local brand. They're now based in LA, but they used to be based in Toronto. It's called Triarchy. And they loved my idea. And honestly, once I had said that they were on board, everyone else started saying yes. So mm-hmm. I just, I was looking locally first as, as much as I could, but a lot of the brands were in the States that I wanted. So I just, I honestly just like kept emailing, kept following up, kept calling, like leaving voicemails and eventually people did talk to me. And if it came to it, I was going to make a trip out to like New York and like go to their offices and like, just be like, look, this is what I'm trying to do. Like, uh, do you want to be a part of it? So I was just like, not going to give up, like until I got some, like some answers and yeah, it's like I just needed that one yes to have a ripple effect on it. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The first customers, always, or the first, I guess, for you, you need customers and the products to sell too. And so to have a, the first person willing to say, yeah, she's legit, that's a, yeah. that's a big help. Yes, definitely. <laughs> what did you sell for that first pop-up? Was it, oh, had, describe what it was and how you marketed it. Okay. So marketing was all done on Instagram. I had started my Instagram page also like a year before I actually launched to try and get like a following and kind of like a customer base that. So when I was actually ready to launch, I would have some people waiting to buy some stuff. Um, so that way I was promoting it probably like, yeah, I was promoting it for about a year on Instagram on the launch date. And then I also did a bunch of Google ads and then Instagram ads, but it was mostly just like my I'm lucky I have a couple of friends that have a following on YouTube and they also helped me promote it on their channels as well. So they definitely helped me bring in a lot of traffic from that. Um, but it looked, it, it was a, it was like kind of like a party too. So like I got a drink sponsor and then I had two racks of jeans set up. So basically I had five brands on board at the start and then a bunch of vintage denim as well. So I had Triarchy, Rough Cut Denim, Fidelity Denim, DL1961 and EV Denim. Those were my first five. So I launched with those. And then I also just like, I always curated a selection of vintage stuff just because I believe secondhand is the most sustainable way to shop. Um, but yeah, so I had, I had it catered also with a sustainable food vendor, which was fun, but I just invited a bunch of like, I invite, I tried to invite a bunch of like the sustainable influencers in the Instagram world too, to try and come market the actual event, but none of them actually came, (laughs) but you know, it was like, like realistically, it was mostly friends and family that came to the actual launch party, but 
from that word of mouth and whatnot, I had so many of my, the people that were actually at the launch party message me on Instagram being like, I'd love to come try on some jeans. Like I know you sell online, but see, that's one of actually the obstacles I face trying jeans on and selling online. Yeah. But, yeah. So after that, a lot of word of mouth that kind of started getting my name out in Toronto at least. And then I think that pop-up got some attention from some of the people in the denim industry too. And that's how I started getting connected in the denim world too. So yeah, that was the first of it. What made those first five brands that you carried, what about them made you want to carry them? And what about them made them uh, sustainable in your mind? So at the time, my, my, my values have changed a lot, but at the time I was looking for if they were ethically manufactured. So if the factories were, had their safety standards set and their workers were paid above the living wage because a lot of the times minimum wage isn't even a living wage. So making sure that the living wage and then the safety standards were in place. And then also the water was the most shocking thing to me. So there needed to be either no use of water, so raw denim, or just using technologies like laser or ozone gas to not quite bleach it, but, you know, get the fading and whiskering on denim, like vintage denim. Because denim starts out like quite, like raw denim starts out quite, quite blue, quite dark actually. And you have to wash it a bunch to get the lighter versions of it, which is why it takes so much water. So I wanted to eliminate the water because I just felt like that was not, it's an unnecessary stuff. You can get the fades on your own by just wearing your own jeans. But, you know, everybody also likes stretching their jeans. So raw denim doesn't have that, which is why I had to look into brands like Fidelity and DL1961 because they actually are, they're using sustainable stretch fibers. So it's not necessarily an organic material, but it's either through recycled Lycra or recycled polyester that they get the stretch. So, yeah, that's something that I've um, learned about recently is that there's, there's organic materials and then there's, Oh, what's the other word? Recycled or, um, Oh no, I'll, I'll remember it, but, um, technical materials, there's organic and technical. So organic would be anything that's, that's, actually found in nature it can be grown like cotton but then the technical material would be the lycra or the spandex or the nylon that's made from some some type of processed material and so then when you want a stretchy denim you have to you interlace it you make a blend with some type of technical material and that makes it super hard to recycle in the future because once you have that blend it's very difficult to separate them again there's like only like a few people in the world that have that technology to separate and it's extremely expensive. So, right. So finding alternatives is kind of, is what you were looking for in that world. Exactly. But like that, that's what I like see my values have changed since then. Like back then they were, I just was looking for brands that were using less energy, less water, less chemicals basically. And I wanted them to be using like organic cotton or condored from cotton from the BCI standard. So I hadn't even learned about like now, now even organic cotton, I don't think is sustainable because it takes, I've heard it, I I need to do more research on this, but I've heard it takes even more water than conventional cotton. So I've been looking into like hemp now because hemp is, Levi's have done a collaboration with Outer Known to produce a hemp gene and it it looks fantastic. So I don't, I I think that's the new thing. I think hemp's Mm. the way to go, but. 
But yeah, like going into like how Lycra, how, how hard it is to recycle that. Like that's why now I'm looking for brands that are using organic materials. I do not like stretch jeans personally because at the moment, like you can't do anything with them after. So I, I would like a jean to either be recyclable fully after, like it, if it, I guess like right now has to be like 100% polyester that that means, but like, or 100% organic cotton that's going to biodegrade or like hemp or, you know, like also what's tensile, tensile, mm, right. tensile also biodegradable. So stuff that's using tensile and organic cotton is my favorite right now because that's the best blend I've found to, I don't know, for the most modern looking gene I find. Mm. Yeah. Talk about the, uh, your vintage collection. Where do you, so vintage would mean secondhand and you've, have you gone out and thrifted these or where, where are you sourcing these vintage jeans? I used to thrift them a lot, but now I don't really find them to be honest. And I don't have as much time to go like as often as I was going. So I will take probably like a day a month to go sourcing in warehouses. So I, these are actually kind of like a controversial topic because it's where the Goodwill stuff ends up. It's whatever doesn't sell, it's ending up in these kind of, they're called rag houses. So they're going to be sent overseas if they're not bought and used and turned basically turned into rags and sent overseas if they can't be used. But I've been going into these rag houses and they'll have like sorted, they'll sort some of the clothes because it's kind of like a side, it's a side business for them selling to vintage dealers now. So they'll have like bins of Levi's, bins of even like Levi 501s, like, or like a bin of like flannels or a bin of like crew necks and all of these things. So that's, I take a day now and I spend time there at one that's pretty close. Like it's in Scarborough. So it's like about a 20 minute drive. So environmentally friendly wise, that's like I, the carbon footprint for getting them is good. But, and I'm, I'm trying to, I'm not so sure I want to go back to these rag houses. That's the thing, because I'm not sure I haven't found much research on them on the full supply chain of them kind of, mm-hmm. but I do think I am rescuing some of the genes and like giving them a new purpose and getting use out of them rather than them being wasted and turned into rags. Cause I find great, I find great pairs of jeans in there sometimes. Again, it's getting harder to find them, but I've been wanting to go back to LA to a flea market. It's called the Rose Bowl flea. Cause they had the best stuff ever. Like I, I just think I'm going to have to start going elsewhere, like out of town to go to flea markets and whatnot. Mm. But also there's something called the Rose. Um, I mean the 400 flea here in Toronto slash Barry. That's pretty good too. So that one's a good flea market that I do source at, but it's only on Sundays. What's the community like in the in the denim world specifically? Is there a lot of you now doing similar things or is it uh, still fairly niche? It's really cool, actually. The denim world, that's what sucked me in so hard to this industry because I keep putting, like, I've invested in putting myself at these events to, like, learn firsthand knowledge about these innovations and, like, the new, yeah, the new technologies just so I can form my own opinions but everyone is so nice <laughs> in the denim. I don't know. I want to say people that like wear jeans every day are like, and not like suits are more chill. Like, so <laughs> everyone kind of gets along. It seems there are, there are cliques. That's for sure. Like I, I definitely have found like my own clique. I'll be honest, but 
everyone's so welcoming and like also collab, like willing to collaborate. And a big thing is, I think, sharing open source, like say someone invented a machine that uses no water and no energy to like fade jeans. It's really great because a lot of brands and mills are like creating open source like technologies now. So they're sharing the information on how to create this like new sustainable innovation. And they're not like just using it as a unique selling point for themselves. So I find that the denim industry is quite collaborative. I actually just read an article that a denim mill, a fiber company, a brand, I think it was like another wash house, like every, all these different, like, um, like parts of the supply chain came together, um, around the world and created the sustainable capsule collection to create more awareness about like this new technology that came out. So it just seems like everybody's willing to collaborate and like work together to create like actually a more sustainable industry. And I think it's trickling into the fashion industry too now. I honestly think the denim industry is really powerful and has a really big role in fashion because it's such a main part of every culture and like in every culture's fashion, like every culture wears it. It's pretty crazy. Even like, yeah, it's just, it's just such a staple in everyone's wardrobe. So I really do think the denim world has a good driving force for the fashion industry in general. And it's nice that it's so collaborative. What were some of the partnerships that you made early on in your business that enabled a lot of this learning and, and, and growth? So there's this industry um, show called Kingpins and that was like the, that, that is really what made me happen to be honest. Like this friend of mine, he works at a denim mill. I forget how I met him to be honest, but he works at a denim mill and we got together one day and he's like, you have to go to Kingpins. You'll meet everybody, bring, bring like a hundred business cards and like, just give them out. You'll meet so many people and like everybody's willing to share their information with you. So just like ask away. So that's what I did. I literally like, it was on invite only. So he got me on the list, which was nice. But I got, I literally showed up in like Amsterdam by myself, like, and I'm like, Hey, I'm Annie. Like I'm doing this. Like, (laughs) do you want to like chat? And like, I don't know, I'd love to learn more about what you do. And honestly, everybody was really nice about and would sit down and I made great friends that first time. And specifically one person from this company called Denim Dudes, they're a trend forecasting company in the denim world. This guy named Sam who works for them now, he used to work for WGSN, another um, trend forecasting company. He noticed me on Instagram before I went to Amsterdam. So we had been chatting on DM and I met him there and he introduced me to like a lot of high profile people there. So that's Sam. I I owe Sam a lot. I owe Sam my career (laughs) basically because he, yeah, he introduced me to so many people. I'm actually working on a collaboration with them now. That's going to be really fun and cool. Oh, cool. So what are some of the, um, the challenges that, um, simply Suzette's going through right now in terms of, um, maybe your business model or the, the values in your head that you're now coming are being, uh, solidified and you're having a better understanding of the industry. What, what are some things you're working through right now? So, yeah, like I said, I almost like quit, like I almost like closed up shop and like started charity, like the other, like the other, literally like two months ago. Because just everything I was learning, there's no, there's no sustainable production yet. Like, yes, there are better ways of producing things, but we're not at 
we can't say anything is sustainably produced because we are just overproducing. For example, like I, no, I won't name brands, <laughs> but like some brands that I used to love and they sustainably produce things, they're pushing so many styles every month that it's basically a fast fashion model, but saying they're sustainably producing it. So I just don't really believe that we should be pushing so much product on consumers because they're going to buy it. Like they're, they don't know what they want. So when you're showing them so many things, they're going to want more. And like, I think we should really be scaling back on production, which is why I have been focusing more on vintage rather than the brands. But I, that's, yeah, that's why I've just expanded my vintage collection. I'm actually about to release a tailored like vintage Levi's collection too, just so to, to like, yeah, widen the market. Cause a lot of people, they don't like the fits of like vintage jeans. So that's why I'm trying to actually tailor them into modern fits so that they will like that. But yeah, just my values there have changed. And like, for example, another thing that I really can't wrap my head around is using recycled plastic still. Like I really love how it's taken, it is using plastics for other things and it's getting reused and whatnot, but unless it can be recycled again, like it's going to be under, it's going to be thrown out and end up in the landfill again. So I think there has to be more, the loop has to be closed somehow. A product needs to be able to be recycled over and over and over, or it needs to be able to biodegrade. So that's why I, I've really been market, like advertising the hundred percent cotton brands that I sell too, rather than the ones that do have a stretch fiber, which, but you know, everybody needs their stretch fibers these days. So I do try and still at least, help people find the thing that they're looking for. Like a lot of people will send me message messages on Instagram being like, this is what I'm looking for. What brand do you think is best for it? So I will try and recommend the best brands I think for what you're looking for. Cause I know people aren't going to stop shopping completely, but yeah. And then another, another thing I've struggled with is selling online, obviously with jeans, like you want to try them on. Even like if you know your style, know the style and the size in a specific company, another another style of it might not fit right if in that same size. So everybody wants to try on jeans before they buy them, and that's something I struggle with, which is why I've chosen to do a lot of pop ups. Like I, I'm basically doing a pop up a month, and like the theory behind it is you come to the pop up, you try it on. Next time you can order it online and if you know what you're looking for and you know your size. So that's the kind of theory behind it. But I honestly do 80% of my sales in person. So mm-hmm. yeah, you can kind of spend that month building up the the excitement around the launch. Yeah. You, you only need the storefront for how long would you how long is a pop-up typically for you? Usually a weekend. So a Saturday. Oh, really? Saturday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that would save a lot on rent. And, and you get that exclusivity and, and excitement around the the marketing of it. Yeah. Yeah. The pop-ups are always fun. So I enjoy doing them and meeting the people that actually want to shop for me. So. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Interesting point too, that I've heard from other guests around the, the, the tension between growth and sustainability, because you need to run a profitable business in order to stay in business. And that goes almost directly against the idea of selling less is the true answer to our problems is not producing more. <laughs> and so by, fel- yeah. by selling physical products, that's a tricky one to, to navigate. And I think that's uh, really going to be the challenge for a lot of brands as they continue to figure out what their values are and what they stand for. But also opens up a whole bunch of opportunities for people 
to start businesses on the in kind of those the eddies of the of the the big market like the 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 traditional current you say that it goes the shopper then when they're done with it then they throw it to a thrift store and then when the thrift store can't get rid of it then they put it in the in the rag uh rag houses rag houses and then it and then we don't really know but Overseas, yeah. But then they have like these tinier economies that start forming of people figuring out, oh, I can still make money off this and I can still make money off this. And, oh, they're still needing someone to wash it without destroying it or polluting. Like those are, those are new industries that can evolve over time as more people start paying, knowing about them, I guess. That's the other thing. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. People just don't know. Like that was like me. I didn't know that the whole reason I started Simply Suzette was truly to create awareness about sustainability in denim. Now it's widened. I'd like to create more awareness and just like sustainable living in general. But yeah, like it's just people just don't know and like people don't research. And I, I get that. Like if I, I don't know, if I was completely in my own bubble, I wouldn't probably know anything about this. So I, unless you're following someone on Instagram or see a headline in the news, you're not really thinking about it. So on that, on that side of education, you've recently started a partnership with someone and you're, you're building out that uh, platform as more of an education tool and to do consulting. Do you want to talk about, about that? Yeah. So I partnered with the greener good. Her name is Kristen who runs it. And we just like, we met a few months ago and we just, our visions like completely aligned. Like my vision, I is an education source. Like I want Simply Suzette people to come to Simply Suzette and be like, okay, this is okay. I know everything about sustainable denim now. And now I can make my own choice of what brand I want to buy from. She's the same, but for sustainable like living in general. And to be honest, I'm not as educated in like all, like for example, like meat, the meat industry. I am not as educated in that industry as she is. Like I know a little bit about it, but she's actually like has in-depth knowledge. So we kind of just like seamlessly connected together. She didn't know anything about the fashion side of things. So we really just wanted to create this kind of collective and we're hoping for it to grow eventually like you know i'm the sustainable denim consult or i mean sustainable fashion consultant on under the greater good but we're hoping to expand and create some sort of collective where we can all start educating and creating awareness in younger people and youth and also just like reiterating that you do have the power to change something like the power of one is so is so real and people just don't believe in it. So our goal is to create a collective that creates this community and feeling of empowerment for people that just making one change in their lives, like say you switch from, you know, buying Starbucks coffee, like coffee cups every day to bringing your own reusable mug. That's one change that actually does make a difference because what you buy a coffee every day, that's 365 coffee mugs that are going to end up in the landfill. You know, that's actually a lot of coffee cups. Like, and if you, one person were to not do that, you know, that's probably, I don't know how much that weighs, but you know, probably like a decent amount, like that would actually be removed from the landfill. So we want to try and encourage from the ground up rather than from the top down. Cause a lot of the times these consulting firms will go into a business or a school and be like, okay, you should switch like from this paper to this paper or whatever. And like, just tell their employees what to do rather than like showing them what they should do. It's another like type of thing by leading by example. So 
we don't want to push people into like being like, oh, don't use use your reusable water or bring your own cutlery, blah, blah, blah. We're being like, okay, this is like what we do and how we do it. And it's easy for you to, too, if you want to. So it's more kind of, yeah, with the power of one bottom up approach and making it approachable for everyone and making it fun, kind of fun and engaging. So yeah. It needs to be fun or yeah, else people aren't going to pay attention. Yeah. And like really show them the why of why we do it basically. What did the conversation look like going from not knowing each other to now moving into a business partnership? Well, we followed each other on Instagram for a bit before we actually like met. So I knew what kind of what she was doing. She obviously knew what I was doing. Um, she started her account more recently, but I just, I loved what she was saying. Like every caption she has is, is honestly like a mini blog, blog post. Like it's so informative. And I actually learned something every day I would read her captions. And I feel as though she thought the same. I haven't actually asked her that, but I, <laughs> I think that she probably feels <laughs> the same way. So we, once we, we were like, Hey, want to like, I don't know, just like chat. So we started chatting and like, I was, this, this was a few months ago when I was like a rock and a hard place being like, I want to start a freaking charity. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And so she was like, you know, I've been really wanting to start something like that too. I'm like, Oh, like, then we started talking to me like, Oh, like I knew this, like, I know other friend that like has this expertise and like is interested in this too. And we started talking about this collective idea but obviously it has to start from somewhere collective. So we were like, let's start it. Let's do it. And so we started planning out what kind of content we would want to talk about at these workshops. If we wanted to like make it, I, I don't know, actually create like a workshop where someone creates like a zero waste product, for example. So yeah, we just started talking about what we actually wanted to achieve with it. And the vision aligned. She wanted to, she literally wanted to create awareness and create a collective to show that awareness and lead by example. And my idea was fully to just create, keep creating awareness because if you don't know, you can't change. So that, yeah. And I needed someone to help me with the other side of like, I mean, actually just like life in general, I only really know anything about fashion. So I needed her and she needed me. So we really just like, yeah, we balance each other out. What, what's your mindset now going into this, this other business, or I could rephrase it as saying, well, what's something you wish you would have known in your first business that now you are going to take as a tool to bring into this new one? That you can save your money. And a lot of like, at the beginning, I invested a lot in um, marketing and I, I really, I didn't like communications wasn't a marketing degree, but I have marketing knowledge. So to be honest, the, money I invested in marketing, I could have done on my own. And so now knowing that and having done that, going into this next business, I am not investing what I invested in that. And I know how to market it myself now. So that was one thing I wish I had known in the beginning, knowing where to save my money and where to spend it. Just because, yeah, there was, looking back, I could have saved a lot of money. (laughs) But that's okay. It's all a learning process, right? So... And obviously money is not my main motivator right now. It's more creating awareness. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. Spoken like a true founder that just <laughs> rolls with the punches and knows that that's, that yeah. was a, it's not, it's not, it's, what's the saying? It's like, I either fail, either fail, no, either succeed or I learn rather than either fail or succeed. 
Yeah, I think I know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, well, Annie, this seems like a pretty good place to wrap up. If you've got any last uh, at last things you want to get to talk about, um, where would be the best place for people to find you online? So I have a website and it's called, it's www.simplysuzette.com. I do a weekly blog post on there, but Instagram is probably the best place to follow me at where I actually spit out all of my knowledge. <laughs> yeah. You can find the link there. So that's at simply Suzette, S I M P L Y S U Z E T T E. Yes. That's me. Can you tell us what the, where that name came from? That's my middle name. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's a nice middle name. I honestly wanted to like use that as an alias for a while, but then like, it started coming up from behind the scenes. So <laughs> that's awesome okay thank you so much annie this has been great to to reconnect and and you've got a lot of interesting stuff on the go and and really helpful tips for anyone who's interested in the fashion world or doesn't even know where to start yeah yeah well thank you for having me i really enjoyed it all right talk soon talk soon that's all we got for today but be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast so that you get to see exactly when the next episode is released. The rating also really helps other people to see this podcast so we can bring the circular economy to even more. Reach out to me on Twitter at S-T-E-W underscore H-I-L-L-H-O-U-S-E. That's at Stu underscore Hillhouse to suggest more guests for other episodes or just to reach out and say hi. See you next week and thanks for listening.